The manifold grace of God, we started about two months ago. And, and I, I, want to, I want to explain a couple of things to you before, as we go on. But we've been talking about the word manifold is called uh, porculos. And porculos means, we talked about last week, it was the reference to Joseph's coat of many colors. And it means degrees, shades, layers. And by definition, it means a variety of ways that can be used to bring across something. And so we, we went to a little detail last week about this. But the next word we're going to talk about is the word grace. And we're not going to recover anything, but for you that are new in the door, you think there's just one grace of God, and there's not. There's multiple. There's multiple layers of the grace of God. And the word grace is, is where we get the word for haris. It's spelled with a C, but it's solid. And by definition, haris means this. It's a political word long before it was a religious word. Paul didn't invent this word. It had been around. And the word haris means the superior is rendering to the inferior. That was the king's responsibility. And so they knew this word. They knew that the people were poor. And so it was up to the king to supply whatever was needed by the people. And so God, excuse me, so Paul just adopted that word and he used it in a, in a spiritual realm. And he said, if God has it all, like the king has it all, and we don't have anything, matter of fact, we're both, mostly broke. I've got a Jersey Mike gift card I've got to give to my grandson. But besides that, he didn't have a... But if you're broke, it's okay because whatever you have need of, God will supply your need. See? So haris means a gift, a token. So by definition, when you understand these two words put together, it means that that God is in the business of giving us as believers gifts and tokens and whatever that you may need. And, and Melissa said it. What she needed was to sing it. She could have sat there like a slug on a sidewalk for a month, but until she got up and began to sing about the goodness of God, it never would have affected her like it did this morning. Whatever it is you need, that we have one that has it all. And he'll give it to you, but it may come in a variety of ways. And we're geniuses of telling God what we want and how we want it. But I got news for you. You might as well take up those plans and tear them up because not only is God good to us, but he's good for us. And sometimes in the church, we got to turn off Cartoon Network and turn on the Discovery Channel. So what happens is, is that God is in the business, the manifold grace of God. There's a variety of ways the graces, whether it be provenient, whether it be justification, whether it be sanctification. And, and we talked about forgiveness was a grace, but today we're going to talk about one of the most unappreciated and the most unused gifts that God has ever given to his people. Are you ready? This is the most unappreciated, unwanted and unused of all the gifts or graces that God gives us to as believers. No joke. It's called prayer. Now, if, if you just come from a, a pneumatic church, a church, a charismatic church, and blabbing and grabbing, naming and claiming, all that stuff, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I left that way behind years ago, but I'm telling you right now, that I had a lot to say, prayer life to God, but, but I learned through the years, ain't none of it worth hearing. Because either, either I wanted something or I was complaining. And I said this a long time ago, that anytime when you come to pray and you pray and you take it back with you, you didn't pray, you only complained. Because you'll learn in a little bit that prayer is transferring. It's the great exchange. Prayer can be referred to as the, the very authentic relationship that we can have with God. And I won't ask you to raise your hands, but, but can you agree with me just because you can agree with me that sometimes that we don't see grace, we don't see prayer as a gift. We see prayer as, as an action that we do when, either when we're in trouble or we're in a bind. But that's not praying. Prayer is a very unwanted and it's a very unappreciated grace that God has given to his people. Prayer is a gift. 
Prayer is a gift that God gives us as his people. Matter of fact, the first time they wanted to kill Jesus when he walked in among them and he used the word Abba. They call him Elohim and creator and, and Adonai. And he didn't use those religious terms. When he addressed God, he called him Abba, Daddy. Boy, that, they were madder than a rat on a Cheeto. I mean, they were, they, they were fuming. How dare him stoop so low to call God our creator, Father. You know what he's doing? He was just praying or communicating with his father. It's like my grandson, Alex. He didn't walk in there. He's grandfather, creator of, 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 of good things in the icebox. May thou allow me to come and, you know, he don't do that. He don't even ask. He just opens up the freezer and pulls out an ice cream. And he says, I'm good to go. And off he goes. It's amazing how we have made prayer so difficult. So if you'll give me a week, maybe today. So here's the day. Prayer is to the spirit. What air is to the body? If you do not think that breathing is a gift, then you haven't quit breathing in a long time. Prayer is a gift. Prayer is a gift from God. Prayer is a grace that God gives us, and we're not even appreciative or aware of it, of its power. Prayer. Prayer is the authentic relationship between God and myself. Not being heard by anyone else. It's an expression, as Romans 8 says, when the Spirit groans, and we, we don't even know what to pray or how to pray, the Holy Spirit groans within me. And I can't put my finger on it. This is why, if you don't know this, if you've been here long enough, blessed are you that mourn, for you shall be comforted. The word mourn, it means a mother just lost an infant baby. It makes no sense. I can't put in the words. I've lost a child. I can't put in the words. I have no prayers. I have no language. I have no box to put this in. It doesn't make sense. This child should have lived to die older than I. I should die before my child. And what happens is that when a, when a mother, the word mourn in the Greek, it means a mother has just lost a child. He said, when you get to the place where nothing in your life can make sense, and you're hurting, and you're broken, and, and, and no, no words can heal anything, he said, blessed are you because you shall be comforted. And the word comfort means someone to whisper something in your ear that only you can hear. So I said this, and I'll say it because some of you have visited. When Jeremy was born, my middle boy, oh, baby, he was a pain. He it was a pain. He is a pain. And he shall ever more be a pain. <laughs> and Kyle, when he was born, he weighed nine three. He was 38 inches long. He was long. I don't know how old he was long. He kept coming out and coming out. Big screaming, kicking, screaming. I was... You know, and once again, I learned in the delivery room, there's, there's one side of the sheet that the husband should stay on. Don't ever cross that line. I found that out quickly. You just mind your own business and talk to her and leave that other end to the doctor. Boy, he come out. Oh, he was mad. And boy, he was just coming out and screaming and hollering. And, they and, the, and the doctor spanked him and he went to cry more. And the nurses pricked him with a needle and he cried more. And they wrapped him up and he was screaming. And then they cleaned him up. They were screaming. I was talking to Gayla, you know, and I said, yeah, he's good, he's good. Got, I'm counting toes and fingers. You know, I am. I, I would, that was my first time experiencing that process. And Oh, that's passing him around. And I mean, he was screaming bloody murder for nine minutes. So she said, you want to hold him? I said, I do. I, let me have that guy. Boy, she handed him to me and had a little stock cap, and he was screaming bloody murder. And so... That went on. I was so proud. You know, I was proud of him, the new bird dog pup. And I was just, I was so proud of him. And he was screaming and just, oh, my goodness. And Delgado said, let me have him. So I just, she was laying there, and so I just laid him on her chest. And she reached over and whispered something in that screaming child's ear. And he become as quiet as you are. He doesn't understand English. He surely didn't understand Mississippi Choctaw. <laughs> he did not understand one single word that was coming out of her mouth. 
But all he knew was for nine months, I have been in the womb of this presence. And I've known her, and I have felt her, and I've heard her for nine months. And whether it be I'm inside of her belly or outside of her belly, it didn't matter. When he heard her whisper something to him, he calmed down. Isn't it amazing that when you get frustrated and you're upset and you're screaming and we can't get you to shut up, would you please just shut up? And you say to me, well, I went to that revival and I went to that revival. Listen, you're looking for the wrong source. People have handed you to psychiatrists and counselors and you're still in worse condition. Why don't you just go back to the one who gave you life? And if you'll ever get in the presence of God, he'll whisper something into your ear that you don't even know what he's saying. But as David said, it quietened my soul. Some of you came this morning. <clears throat> you got up with a screaming household. You went to work last week with a screaming job. Everything around you screaming bloody murder. And the very thing and the only thing that can calm your heart, it is not me, it is not that good-looking guy beside you, the only one that can calm you and steal your heart, blessed are you that when you're absolutely coming apart at the seams and you can't do anything about it, you're blessed because that's the time that God will gather you up and he'll whisper something into your ear and he'll calm you. That's prayer. If Jesus prayed, and if Jesus depended upon prayer, I wonder how much you and I need to have a lifestyle of prayer. The question is, did Jesus pray? Yeah. Did he pray a lot? Yes. <clears throat> did he depend upon prayer? Yes. And would it make sense if Jesus prayed? Wouldn't it just make sense that we need to have a lifestyle of prayer? Listen to the Apostle Paul. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says this. Pray without ceasing. Prayer should be the way of life for us as believers. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean go around with your hands raised up in job and you're supposed to be putting parts together. You go, oh, Lord. That's not what he's talking about. Prayer is this condition between you're having a relationship with God. Whether it be driving down the road or wherever it may be. My best prayer is not in here. My best prayer is when I'm going down the road by myself. Somebody said, where did you learn to preach? I learned to preach. Didn't go to seminary. I learned to preach behind the shifting an 18-wheeler driving a truck. That's where I learned to know God. Not preach. That's where I knew God. That's where I, that's where I come to know him. And I've heard him say tremendous things in my heart, whisper some things when things were absolutely coming apart at the seams. And that's what I'm telling you this morning. I understand the principles of being broken and mourning. But I also know the principles of him. He can just whisper one thing, and he can calm my heart. Some of you, that's why you're here today. Your marriage is bumpy. You're at one another's throats. You're blaming one another. You wish you could get a new piano player, don't we all? But I found out if you'll get in the presence of God, that piano player don't sound too bad. So this morning, Moses prayed, and God sent manna from heaven and gave water out of a dry rock. Elijah prayed, and it did not rain for three and a half years, and he prayed again, and it rained again. Daniel prayed, and God shut the mouths of hungry lions. And most of us kids, we prayed, and God got Gilligan off that island. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> kids go, who's Gilligan? Never mind. <clears throat> Don't you see that the more we pray, the more we get to see the gift of grace that God brings to us through prayer. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you, prayer simply means that I'm free and I'm encouraged to pray about anything and everything. And I talk to God like I talk to my best friend. 
Now, I don't know how you do it, but I, I don't come in there with some pious attitude like Adonai and Creator. I just come to God and call him Abba. There's no beautiful words in the English language to an old man that's about 60 years old the first time he hears a little boy say, Papa. I'll ignore daddies all the time. But Papa? Any grandparents here? You understand. So what happens is we are free and we're encouraged to pray all the time. It's an attitude of prayer, just communicating with God. Now, if you've heard me say this, and I'm not going to go into this definition, but the word prayer is prosuke, one word, and pros in front of a suke's face. He's giving you a picture, two ears and one mouth. We should be twice as much listening as we do talking. It's remarkable. Consider all the miracles that the disciples saw Jesus do. They saw him open blinded eyes. They saw him open deaf ears. They watched him heal a variety of sicknesses and disease. They even saw him raise someone from the dead, or three of them. But the, very, the only thing they asked him to teach him was this. Teach us to pray. Can I sit in for a moment? They watched him do unbelievable miracles, and not a one said, hey, can you teach me how to get them spots off that guy? I mean, can you teach me the prayer that, that they'll absolutely cause a blinded eye open? That would come in handy one day. They did not. Of all the miracles they watched Jesus perform, the only thing they said, would you teach us one thing? Would you just teach us how to pray? Because when you wasn't looking, we heard you pray. How would you like to be married when Jesus is age five saying his bedtime prayer when she's in another room? I'd like to be a bug on that wall. We've heard you pray. We've heard you talk to an, an invisible sky, but there's something when you pray, everything around us began to have goosebumps. When you prayed, there was something about with the way you talked to this invisible God that we trust you, but something ignited our hearts. Would you just teach us that prayer? Could you please teach us when life is, is going in the wrong direction, can you teach us how to quieten our mind and our soul and get to a place where we just can communicate with God like you do? Woo! Now, I'll tell you, some of you, you're not the easiest people to get along with. But I found the formula that I may not can change the world, but I can change the contents of my heart and my mind. And I found that when I can, when I can, when I can just find prayer between me and my father, he may not change the world, but he changes me. Ephesians chapter 6 and 18, we're not going to go far with this. I'll show you a couple of things. Praying all his way with prayer and supplications in the Spirit, capital S, which is the Holy Spirit, and watching there into all the perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Now, you understand the word perseverance is the word perseverance. It means that two words. We understand the word severance means something is severed from our life, and the word per means we continue forward. It's possible, he's telling you, for something to be severed in your life but because the love of God is in you, you're still continuing for perseverance. Even though I've been injured, and even though I've been hurt, and even though this has been taken away from me, I still persevere. The word per means to continue forward, and we can all witness to that, that we've all been hurt, and we've all been injured, and we've all had something taken from our life that we've had a severance in our life, whether it be the death of a loved one or a friend, but something in us tells us we can't stop here. We've got to continue to go forward. And the way we do that is learn a lifestyle of trusting and praying to our Father. Praying with all prayers is it's the most common word in the New Testament, prayer. It's used somewhere about 125, 26, 27 times. I think 127. 
And it's the word called prosuke. Now, I gave you a definition a while ago. The Romans used it as the facial feature, but we're going to get it correct in the lexicon. The word pros is a word for to be towards someone. or It's a sense of closeness or in front of someone. Matter of fact, it means almost eye to eye. The Bible says that Ezekiel preached brow to brow. It means he got right up in their face. They were smelling one another's whatever they had for lunch on their breath. This word portrays, and I need you to hear this, intimacy and relationship with someone. The word pros has everything to do with intimacy and a relationship with someone. Now, let me show you something. This is 1 John, sorry, it's St. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See the Word with God? That is where we get the word pros. What's going on here? Leave that up for a moment. What's going on here is giving you an idea of the relationship. It's a very unique relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is a, a, a connection between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and it all hinges on that word with, pros. So let me explain. The Greek says it like this, that the word was face to face with God. Who was the word? Jesus. Let's try that again. Who was the word? Welcome to class 101. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was face to face with the Father. He's giving you this idea. The reason why that all through the scriptures, I was telling Brad during the week, all through the scripture, when Jesus talks about the conversation between his Father and the Holy Spirit, he always promotes the Father and the Holy Spirit. He never promotes himself. The Holy Spirit said, he said this, when the Spirit of truth shall come, he will not speak of himself. He'll only remind you what I've said and the Father said. And all the Father said, this is my beloved Son, I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit's come to comfort you. Notice the connection. They're all three working together, but they only complement the other. Nowhere in the Bible says, I'm God, and these other two better get out of my way. It's not like that. They are face-to-face -face in relationship or intimacy one with another. Quit trying to figure out the Trinity. All you got to know is that God is living in you, and you'll accept what you don't know at the moment. You can't separate God the Father and the God the Son the God the Holy Spirit. They're all together, and they're working in different facets. So the word was with God. Jesus was face to face with God. In the beginning. So it's, as you well know, I, I believe and preach predestination and violation. So before you run out the door, don't do it. And somebody says, I can't you believe you believe that. Listen to me. I've been, just, just bear with me. I've been going strong here for 34 and a half years, and I hadn't slowed down any, and there's a reason for that. Because I figured out it's all God. But the idea this morning is the fact that in the beginning that God said, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to drop a blueprint, and this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to have. And the son said, I'm with you. And, and, and he was, the Bible said that he was slain before the sound foundations of the earth. Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the earth. Jesus Christ was crucified and slain before the earth was even made. Take that home and put it in a plastic baggie. God had a plan. God had a purpose. And the purpose was to redeem mankind. And in the Garden of Eden, that before the sin even occurred, he caused the animals to be in there. And so before the sin occurred, he caused the animal skins to be there. And the animal skin was used to be the covering. Before you even sin, God has the remedy of redemption waiting on you. Yeah. 
There's no problem you face. The answer has already been given. I don't care what you've done and what you will do. Jesus Christ, through his shed blood, has already provided us the answer of redemption. That's pretty good news. Now, somebody said, well, should I keep on sinning? Oh, come on. Don't make me slap Jesus out of you. You know you can't do that. If you're really of God, you hate sin. If you really love God, grace makes you grateful, not great. The more you understand about the grace of God, the more it humbles you. It drives you to your knees. Those that don't understand great, they want to be great, and they want to be big, and they want to be popular. That, that is not me. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want him to be able to whisper me when you're not around to calm my heart and, and ease my mind. So God had a plan. So the word of God was with God. They all three were in relationship with one another. The second word, UK, is a wonderful word. It, it means it's, it's, it's a vow that's given, and it means to exchange. UK means it, it, it means a vow given in exchanging for something. Okay? So let's read, let's read this verse in Isaiah 61, and I'll talk about that. Isaiah 61, 3. The care of the needs of all who mourn in Zion, and I'll give them bouquet of roses instead of ashes. Message of the joy instead of news of doom and praising the heart instead of languid spirit. And I'm going to rename them the oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. Leave that up there. Do you understand the only reason why you were saved is that you would glorify God? I mean, are, you, are we on the same page here? I mean, we need to have an altar call for some of you. I mean, I mean you're, you wasn't no big deal. You wasn't nothing special. God wasn't getting a good deal when he got you. Matter of fact, God, you, he got the burn ends of, the, of whatever he was cooking when he got you. But he said, I can take that and use that, and I want you. But I want you, and I'm going to do things for you. And, and this is what we refer to as the great exchange. Beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning. Dancing in celebration instead of doom and gloom. Because once I exchange with you that you will be like trees of righteousness, but you will display my glory. This whole thing is about this, God exchanging something in your life. Now, here's where it gets funny. This exchange business, it, it works this way. As you know, I'm a preacher. And... And I, and I do do weddings. Yeah, you just found that out. I've lost my license somewhere, but I can't preach. But, and, and can you imagine that somebody calls up and says, hey, I want to get married, you know. I said, well, come on down. Oh, we're in love. Oh, yeah. We met last night at Joe's Bar and Grill, and we want to get married. I mean, it's, it's love at first sight. Okay, all right. And so, come here, give me that. Hey, give me that. So can you imagine, can you imagine the, the husband and the future husband, future wife getting up there? And I said, okay, you know, repeat these vows after me. And he's going, yeah, I'll Bill, take you, Betty. He didn't even look at her. Take a deep breath. This is going to hurt. Don't come in here and act like you're praying. Don't put on a show to me. I can watch Cartoon Network on Facebook. You come in there and go, yeah, God is good all the time. <sighs> now, he's typing notes. He's, oh, three eggs and a gallon of milk. That's not Bible notes right there, buddy. Huh? 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 Can you, can, can you imagine, can you imagine coming in here and trying to perform a, a matrimony? Somebody said, oh yeah, we're in love. We met last night and we're going to live together forever. And he's up on the phone and she's popping gum and looking at her nails. And Can you imagine? I'd say, hey, we're not in love. This is over. If we cannot look one another eye to eye, breath to breath. We're not in love. And for you people that are walking the door of business, you don't have to check me out. I'll check you out. I'm going to tell you right now. Don't come in there telling me, oh, I'm in love with God and I pray all the time when you don't even look at him. I 
don't care how good you play piano. I don't care how good you sing. I don't care how much money you got. I could care less. Don't try to sell me the product of you got this great prayer life and you never spend time in his space. Because it ain't right. It ain't true. You're not in love. You're not in relationship. You may be blowing the hot air. That's all you're doing. A life of a true believer and a son and daughter of God is that we don't have the, all the words. I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to say. But all I know is if I can just get in his presence. My little grandbaby bus that you'll see maybe next week. He got a lot of hair. He got more than I got. <laughs> I've been working on Jordan's house and ah, oh, just hot and sweaty and Catherine will knock on the door. I mean, it, you know, we're, we're disassembling. It sounds like a bunch of jackhammers going. He sleeps off the and then she knocked on the door of the glass and he was in there so I, I held him. He's about that long. No words are exchanged. You know the first thing I do? I smell him. Not down there. I smell him here. <laughs> down there, I stay way away from him. I go, here. He done something bad in his britches. You do that. And I made the comment to Alex, I said, he smells like a little puppy to me. I smell him. There's something about getting close to someone. There's something so unique about no words being exchanged. You can get in the breath of someone else and just be still, and something magical happens. Elizabeth, it will not be long. You'll understand that. The word prayer, by definition, it means a transfer of burdens. Sheep were never designed to carry burdens. Sheep were never designed to carry packs. You've been carrying stuff you were never designed to carry. Christ made this statement in Matthew 21, but he said that this place that my father Constructed was, was a house of prayer. Let me explain that to you. That you made it a, a den of thieves. You're robbing the people. You see, in, in, in English words, the word house of prayer means this, that they learned this exchange, that they could bring whatever they had, and they say, God, here's, here's my brokenness, and here's my scars, and here's my past. And I want to exchange it for grace and goodness in life. But they were met by the, at the doors and they were told they couldn't come in. The, the council of the Sanhedrin had armed guards there. They would not let them in. And even though they had a circus going on the inside, and we know all about that, but... But some of them, they wouldn't even let in. And the idea was this, that Jesus, and that's when he began to turn over some things. Somebody said one time they saw me do something. They said, well, what would Jesus do? And I said, in the temple, he kicked everybody out and they walked off. They said, well, forget it. What happens is when people have needs, this should be a place that you can come and exchange them. You'll never be free from burdens. As long as you're in this human body, you'll always have problems. Sherry, as long as you're married to that guy, you will always have a prayer life. 
but I've done you an injustice. When you walk in the door, Bruce, and I never you give you the opportunity to be quiet and be still in the presence of God, I've, I rob from you the ability. Because if I come in there and I've got all this commotion and this loudness and this goofiness and I've got all this confusion going on, you have never had the opportunity to get quiet in the presence of God. You've been caught up in a circus of things. I've done you an injustice if I don't give you the opportunity to come in here and get still and hear God's word and then give you the opportunity to get still in the presence of God and say, God, I just give you this. I want to exchange you my brokenness and I would like to have you to make me whole again. God said, deal. God, I have. I want to. I want to trade you out. It's not a good trade. It's not a good trade, Chuck. Not a good trade. But it's a trade. I. I, I want. I want to give you this twenty-five dollar gift card, and I want you to give me the abundance of the life of God that is promised. It's exchange. But here's the deal: in this exchange, we're looking at God. Somebody said, why don't you have altar calls? Because you don't mean it. Ain't nobody dying down here. You're fully alive when you come down there and you're fully alive when you leave. Don't look at me that way. The only reason why you come down there when you're down by there, you go, oh, good. And you get up. An altar is a place of death. Prayer is exchanging burdens. And he said, you've made it a den of thieves. You've never allowed the people to do what I've instructed them to do is they can bring their cares and their hurts and all these things to me. And here's the last one. we got to go. I might as well just throw this in because I ain't got anything else to do. Casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Two different words for cares. But 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. For he cares for you. Casting all your cares. It's, it's a funny word, but you ain't got time for this. You see the word he cares for you? Casting. See the word Casting. That is, a, that is a, an active verb in the Greek. It's ongoing. So we got to quit. Watch this. He didn't say, bless are you because you cast your cares upon the Lord. You gave your life to Christ. That's a great thing. Now then, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? I gave you my sin and he gave me salvation. Wonderful. Now then, what are you going to do with all your hate and rage? Don't look at me that way. What are you going to do with all your temper and your problem and your guilt and your shame and all? What, what, what are you going to do with that? I know you gave your life to Christ, but I'm telling you, there are different graces for different circumstances in your life. Casting your cares means it's a daily, it's an ongoing event that every day you wake up, you have got to say, God, I gave this to you yesterday, but today's a new day, and I'm just going to give you my worries and my cares and my imperfections. I can't handle it. I can't carry it. I'm not designed to carry it. I give it to you. And when I give it to God, it's like those four years in daycare. When you let them out for lunch, they hit that, they're 50 on, they hit the playground going, woo! Boy, they're just glad to be free. The other day, it was really two and a half months ago. It seemed like the other day. You know how you do when you get old. Everything seems like it's just I come across a snakeskin out here mowing. It wasn't big. And two things by that snakeskin that I learned. Number one, a snake was there. And the second thing I learned was he moved on. <laughs> and so you know me. You know me. The Bible says to bless you, the pure in heart. Catheros means a catheter. You'll see God in anything. You'll see God in everything. Would be salt and light or whatever. Everywhere you go, when your heart is being catheterized by the Word of God, it's so pure and clean that you'll just see God in anything. And I saw God in the snakeskin. Imagine that. And I looked at that thing, and I thought to myself, well, I know that he was here. I thought, well, he moved on. He shed. You know what prayer does? 
while we exchange with God, we shed. I shed a layer of who I used to be behind. I gave my life to Christ on Sunday morning with a Mickey Mouse t-shirt on, mad and angry and on the back row and I was fighting and kicking and I told you, I was fighting. She wasn't fighting. I was fighting. Sitting on the back row and I was looking at her. I never looked at the preacher. I was looking at her. I wonder, oh, I was horrible. I was a rat. Have no idea what that guy said all service long. I was just one out. But the Holy Spirit drew me. We gave our life. I got saved. I want want to tell you something right now. I don't really believe in all this repeating prayers. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm not on you. When I got saved, brother, I got saved. I didn't need to have anybody explain to me what happened. I got saved. Because the night before I took a straight knife to my stomach and my arm and bleeding everywhere, I had a demon. I had a devil. And the next morning, I'll tell you right now, I got saved. So you didn't have to explain to me or give me a pamphlet. I knew something happened in my life, and I've been saved ever since. That's true. But I started shedding. See, prayer sheds you of stuff. The great exchange is that when I begin to pray and when I gave my life to Christ and he truly saved me, we got to go. But here's the deal. I found out through the years, just like that snake, I find myself leaving layers behind. And I'll tell you what you won't see. You won't see that that new snake trying to get back in that old skin. (laughs) Man, do you understand me? So two things for sure, that he was once there, but now he's moved on. And I can tell you, since 1980, I'm not a perfect man at all. But through prayer and getting in the face of God and getting quiet and getting still and getting to a mentality that I really don't know what to do or what to say, I have no answers for these people on the front row. I don't have an answer for the person on the front row. I don't know what to do, and I don't know what we're going to do, but all I can do is what Elizabeth said. I just pray. And my prayer is not with words. Prayer is not a position of the body. Prayer is a condition of the heart. And I start shedding. And as I begin to get in the presence of God, I find myself looking back and I think, I'm not as hateful as I used to be. Now, mind you, I have days. It's not that funny either. (laughs) Only you and Dvorak, I give hard time on the guitars. But I look back and somebody said, well, I used to know you when you... I know, but I've moved on. I've shed that way of life. I've shed that. I've shed that gossip. I've shed that hate. I've shed that. And I've shed it through prayer. I'm learning that I'm shedding things that doesn't belong in my life. And I was once there, but I've moved on to pursue Him. Keep shedding. If you come in this morning with burdens, congratulations, you're in the right place. If you come in here with a little hate and anger, congratulations, you've stumbled in the right door. <laughs> Sherry come got me a while ago. There's two guys walked in, had a bicycle and a cigarette right there in the foyer. They're homeless. I said, man, what are you doing? He said, well, I thought we'd come to church. I said, well, not, that's not really truthful, is it? He goes, well, no, I can't lie to the preacher. We talked to him, and another guy came out about it. I said, oh, I know what are you doing here, you know? He said, we're on the street. I said, tell you what, we got breakfast next door. Come and eat with us. Come and eat with us. Fill your belly, and I'm going to give you 10 bucks each. And if you, if you buy booze or alcohol, I'm going to ask God to strike you dead. <laughs> That's what he said. He goes, no, sir. And they come and ate breakfast with us? And this is what I told him. And you're going to say, well, why didn't you invite him to church? because I didn't want them here. Am I better than them? Absolutely not. But this is the deal. By breaking bread 
speaks more volumes of the grace of God than coming to hear a preacher that's long-winded trying to speak Aramaic and Greek for an hour and, and, and they got frustrated. They learn more about the love of God through a warm meal than they would of a long sermon. See? That's the way it is. So God gives grace different ways and we give grace different ways. Chuck, you're not the same guy you used to be. You're shedding some things. Virgil, you're not the same guy you used to be. You're shedding some things. And through prayer, this exchange, we change from glory to glory. I don't know about you, but I'm moving on. Amen? Stand with me this morning if you would. Give the Lord a praise offering. Y'all, you've been so kind this morning. Huh? Turn to about two people and just give them a big old hug. Say, hey, I, I love you. Huh? At first, I was worried about you, but I really like you. Now, here's the instructions. Communion servers come this way very quickly, like a little bunny. Do not go get them kids yet. That's like bringing in F troop. Just don't bring them in yet. I do not want to be classified that this church is a den of thieves. I do not want to be in that category of a den of thieves. I want you to fully understand this is a house of prayer. And I did my very best this morning with a lot of inaccuracy, but I did my very best this morning to describe to you what's going on. Is that God wants to exchange some things, but he wants you to look at him. And not only look at him, he wants you to look at him with some great intimacy and affection. So we're going to take about 30 seconds and we're going to be very quiet. All I ask you to do is just be very quiet and very still. Because some of you need to exchange some things this morning. I'm not calling you down the front. I'm just telling you right where you are. If you're hurting, welcome. If you got burdens, you're in the right place. If you have unforgiveness, you'll fit right in. If you have problems with your family and loved ones, we all do. If you say this morning, I don't know what to do with them, I don't know what I'm going to do, you're in the right place. And we're going to take 30 seconds and we're just going to transfer our burdens to Him. And we're just going to look at Him the best we can. And we're going to be face to face with Him the best we can. So for the, you this morning, that have unsaved loved ones and children and grandchildren, financial problems, anger problems. Bring your burdens to the Lord this morning. And he'll trade you beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, gladness for a heavy heart. He is in this place. He is in this place. Father, forgive us. We just give you our cares, our imperfections. 
our simple-mindedness, we just cast them to you this morning. That for the rest of the day, that we could be carefree, not careless, but carefree. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for the gift of grace called prayer. We'll use it for the rest of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you people make me cry. I don't know what the deal is about that. In God good. Turn to somebody and say, I think you're shedding a little bit. Woo, thank God. That night, Jesus sat with his disciples and we're going to give a good teaching in a few weeks about Holy Communion. So bring a lunch with you. We'll stay long. He said with his disciples, and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the, the Passover. It is the unleavened bread. But he said, now then, this night, that I am the bread that came from heaven that my Father sent. And if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And then he took the cup, and he said, for 1,500 years, You've been celebrating the Lamb's blood that was taken and placed in the shape of a cross. And when Abaddon, the death angel, would come that night, that he would pass over you. But Jesus said, now, I am the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. And my Father will soon take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this and remember me. Father, I pray that you bless this cup, bless this bread. Let it open up our eyes to understand that prayer is to our spirit like air is to our body. We need you. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.